0: somebody look at your neighbor and give them the title of today's message. Just add water. water. Look at your other neighbor and say, just add water. water. I'm so thankful that someone gave me a tissue because I didn't want to add snot, I wanted to add water. Y'all edit that out please Mm. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place can can I show you something can can I take you to a passage of scripture that is not the narrative of scripture that we will dissect today in our message however I think if you understand this passage of scripture you will be more enlightened when we do get don't don't don't, you don't have to sit down yet just hang on just hang on You will become more enlightened when we do get to the narrative. Can I read you something that God wants to show you this morning? Can I do that? Psalms chapter 146. Psalms 146. The psalmist writes this beginning in verse 1. He says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord my soul. I will praise the Lord all of my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. I will praise the Lord as long as I have a voice today. It's not there, but you get the point. Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirits depart, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. But blessed are those who help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. For where does our help come? Our help comes from the Lord. If you've ever received any help from the Lord, then somebody give him praise up in this place. If you didn't know what to do, and then came God. When your money was kind of funny, and there was God. When you didn't know what decision to make, and there was God. And God put breath in your lungs, and the Bible says, let everything that happens with breath, praise. ye the Lord. Can, can I read you one other thing? Can I read you something else? Hold your finger there. I need to show you something. Just a God's doing something here. Flip with me. Just keep your finger at Psalms 146. And, and go to Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1 the psalmist writes this we're just going to look at two verses verses two and verse three it says but whose delight is in the law of the lord and who meditates on his law day and night now some of your translations say who meditate on his word day and night everybody say word Hold on a second. For the last six weeks, we've been talking about his word according to John. John in his gospel in John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and everything that was made was made by him, and nothing that has been made was made without him. That word, when we begin to meditate upon that word, look what happens in verse 3. Here's the result. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers oh hold on a second are you grabbing this who's planted beside of streams of water who's planted everybody say planted who's planted beside of streams of water this is a location that is second to none He does not say who is buried in the desert. He said who is planted beside of the water. There is a difference between being planted and being buried. Being buried means death. Being planted means life. Some of you have buried things that God has planted. Did you hear me? Some of you are burying things that God has planted. And this verse says that when you're planted beside of streams of water, that your leaves will not wither. There will be fruit that will come in due season, and everything that you do will prosper. Why? Because you don't have to wait upon the elements to bless you because you're planted beside of the water. And the Bible says that your leaves will not wither, meaning it can be winter, but it still looks like spring, meaning that you could be going through all hell on earth, but you can look good while you're doing it. Somebody say, just add water. You see, anytime you see water in the scripture, it is making reference symbolically to the spirit of God. Remember that. That's going to come back in a few minutes. It's making reference to the spirit of God. Go with me back to Psalms chapter 146. Are you with me? Somebody say he's going somewhere. Here's what it says in verse five and six. It says, blessed are those who... Well, go to verse 6. I already read that. Verse 6 says, he is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoner free. Somebody say amen. amen. Watch this. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who or bow down. The Lord gives sight to the blind. Hold on a second. This is Old Testament prophecy Written in this psalm By the psalmist That's going to come to fulfillment In the narrative that we will explore today Somebody say just add water Now turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 9 John chapter 9 John chapter 9 Verses 1 through 11 Look at your neighbor and say just add water And then be seated But you're not going to be seated for long Because I believe the Lord's going to get all up in your business today And you're going to jump up on your feet And you're going to help me preach Welcome to week Keep playing, that sounds good If my voice wasn't gone, I'd help you sing or something The Bible says Well, let me just say this Welcome to installment Number six of this series More than a miracle I hope you've enjoyed this series. We're going to bring it to closure today. The the Lord's design is his design. So if next week we're in it, we're in it. but. But we're looking at the miracles in the gospel of John that John uses to point to the divinity of Jesus. But we're looking at more than the miracles. We're looking at the story behind the miracles. We're looking at the backstory. We're looking at the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach. We're looking at the message that he's conveying and how he's teaching the disciples to be ready for their mission. Verse, or Chapter 9 is the sixth sign that the word of God, the word of Jesus is the authoritative word that comes from heaven, thereby proving that Jesus himself is God, part of the Trinity. You need to understand the context for which chapter 9 starts. In chapter 8, Jesus is almost stoned to death, Tim, because he, he makes this statement in chapter 8 that the religious leaders didn't like. He said, I am the light of the world, and anyone who believes in me shall never walk in darkness. When he made that I am statement, I am the light of the world, everyone knew that I am was connecting him to the great I am that was referenced with Moses thousands of years before they didn't like it so they were going to stone him to death and the bible says that they told him to leave town and so he leaves town and on his way out of town this is what happens look at verse one of chapter nine somebody say i'm there i'm gonna get there hang with me it says this in verse one it says as he went along he saw a man blind from birth hold on a second As he went along, so he just leaves a place because he made the statement, I am the light of the world. Anyone who believes in me shall never walk in darkness. He now walks into someone who lives in darkness because of their blindness. So you know that he's about to be the illustration for the statement that he made previously. Look what happens. The disciples ask a theological question because they see a theological problem. His disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. I love the way Jesus responds. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Hold on a second. What Jesus was saying, he was scolding the disciples while teaching them a lesson because he was saying, you're always concerned about the why, but you're not focused on the who. You're always consumed with the problem, but you're never focused upon the promise. You're always looking at the mess, but you've forgotten that it's the presence of God that can take the mess and turn it into a message. So look what he says in verses four and five. He, He says, so as long as it is day, we, everybody say we, we must do the works of him who sent me. Somebody say sent. Night is coming when no one can work While I am in the world I am the light of the world So what Jesus was doing Was telling the disciples I'm not really interested in how he got into this position Or this condition What I am interested in Is using the mess that you guys have have, have articulated And begin to turn it into a message So that God is glorified through it And it's obvious that that John and the other disciples knew this man because it says that he's been in this position, in this condition since his birth. Now all of a sudden, he becomes the spotlight, the main character in this narrative where he's on the street corner for his entire life, alms for the poor, hoping that someone will supply for his need and now happen to be walking down this street, the one who can supply for all of his needs according to heavenly riches and glory. And Jesus says to him the same thing that got Jesus in hot water in chapter eight. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will walk in the light and never in the darkness so here is the illustration. He's standing in front of the man who's been born blind, who's never seen the light of day, and he says, I am the light. Are you grabbing this? I am the light of the world. As he says this, the man who has never seen the light of day is about to have his life radically changed. What would Jesus do? Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, After saying this, he spit. Everybody say spit. Somebody make a spitting sound. Like three of y'all did it. It's in the Bible. It's okay. He spit on the ground. He made some mud with his saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. This is the very first spa treatment. The very first mud mask. So the next time you go to the spa, you tell them you want a mud mask and you want them to use their spit. Anybody sign enough for that? Huh. Here is. Enjoyed that. that snort. There you go. Here is Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. Anyone believes in me, they will not walk in darkness. But something that's happening here that you need to see. I, I, I need to give you some more context because what John is letting us know is that Jesus has just left a place Forced out of this place because of the miracles and because of the statements that he has made, one statement, I am the light of the world, became so difficult for the religious leaders to apprehend uh, that, 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 or to comprehend that they kicked him out and they were going to stone him to death. That's the last verse of chapter 8. And so Jesus walks by the would-be assailants. Understand this historically and theologically because there's some things happening. So Jesus walks by the would-be assailants and John says that he walks up on a man who happens to be blind and his blindness has been with him since birth. And now the disciples have this great theological question because they see this man as a theological problem and they say, who sent Jesus, him or his parents? There's some historical significance to that question, and we'll get to that in a moment. But there's also a spiritual context, because these disciples have been hanging out with Jesus for quite some time now, but yet they still do not comprehend the heart of the message of Jesus. Because the disciples have seen the need, but rather than addressing the need, they would rather judge the problem. Mm, Lord have mercy. The disciples have seen the need, and they want to understand why the man is in that position before they'll ever evaluate whether or not they're going to be involved in his condition. John articulates that they want to know why he is in the position that he's in, who sinned. Now understand, historically speaking, many Jews then believed in reincarnation. So they're thinking that maybe he sinned in a past life, and so now he's suffering for that past sin. Many Jews also believed that you could sin as a baby in the womb. And so they're thinking that he's now paying the price for the sin that he committed in the womb. Other Jews believe that he's probably now receiving his punishment for a sin that he will later commit. So they're wanting to know who sinned him or his his parents. They're wanting to know every piece of the itinerary as to why he's in the condition that he's in rather than defining, listen, what we need to do is address the need. They've been walking with Jesus. Think about this. They've been talking with Jesus. Jesus has been teaching them. But they look at this man as a problem rather than an opportunity let me get up in your business for a minute how many of us as christ followers we have seen a need we have identified the need but yet before we are willing to address the need we want every breakdown as to why that person is in that need in the first place and then if we decide that the person is in the need for what seems to be a good reason then we might help Could it be that the only identification that God wants you to be concerned with when it comes to the need is the fact that he sent you? (laughs) The disciples are enamored by the problem. This is a theological problem. Jesus, who sinned? They want to know every reason why the man is in this position. They don't say, Jesus, what can we do to help him? Jesus, we want to know why he's this way. We do the same thing. Oh, he's beneath me to be able to help him. He's unworthy. Had he not done what he did, he wouldn't be in the position that he's in. If he'd get a job, he wouldn't have to hold a sign. Isn't it getting all quiet up in God's house? We want to quantify and qualify the need based upon our own personal preferences. Here's something else. This is going to mess you up. How many times have we missed what God wants to do in our lives? Because of the questions. God, I, I need to know the, the, the who, what, the when, the, the, the why, I, the how. I need the full list before I engage the need. I, I, I need to know. But hold on a second. Jesus is standing in front of the man. He says, I am. I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me shall never walk in darkness. It's an I am statement that is hearkening back, if you will, to the statement that God made to Moses through the burning bush when Moses said, who is it that's sending me? He said, I am. And then he follows it up with Joshua and he says, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will give you every place that you set your feet. What is it that keeps Christ followers from receiving that promise of everywhere you place your feet? Let me answer that for you. The who, what, the when, where, and the how that you need to know before you ever engage the need. Hello? This is a lesson that you need to learn. All of us need to grab hold of this. If God has opened up your eyes to the need, all he wants you to do is open up your heart and respond. If he has connected with you in a spiritual way and he has opened up your eyes so that you can see the need, all he's wanting you to do is open up your heart so that you will respond. We're so good at identifying the problem. We're so good at at defining the problem. We're, we're, We're so good at it. In fact, the church has become experts at defining the problem. The church is so good at bringing about the definition of the problem, and yet we wonder why we never experience the promise of breakthrough. Hello? You see, if God exposes in your eyes, if you will, in a spiritual sense, he shows you the need. You don't need anyone to co-sign for you to be able to address the need. He has already spoken to your spirit, and now he's hoping you will open up your heart. Hold on a second. Well, I need all my answers. You know, I need my questions answered. I need who sent him or his father. (laughs) Think about this. But how many of you know that sometimes God answers your questions with instructions? Mm. In fact, look at verse four. Look at verse four. Verse four says something. Verse four shows us, it says, put verse four up for me. Verse 4 and 5 says, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Hold on a second. As long as it is day, we must. Everybody say we must. We must must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Mm. Hold on a second. So when the disciples have labeled this guy as a theological problem, Jesus is showing them this is an opportunity. And he goes on in verse 5 to say, well, I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He's saying that the, the, the window of opportunity will close if you do not respond to it. Understand something. This particular day when Jesus is making this statement is the Sabbath. And the religious leaders already want to kill him. And if he heals this guy on the Sabbath, that is considered work. And working on the Sabbath is a sin. They will just want to kill him all the more. But Jesus is not driven by the spiritual religious laws. Jesus is driven by compassion. All of those other people who were standing there have walked by this dude so many times. They've labeled him. They've placed him. Listen, here's what they've done. They've buried him. They've buried him under the guise of his problem. They've buried him. He's under-recognized. He's under-valued. I don't know who this is for. He's under-appreciated. He's under this problem. He's under that problem. He's too far gone. He's been this way since his birth. Who has sinned? They're identifying the problem. He's too far gone. And Jesus doesn't see him as too far gone. Jesus sees him as an opportunity. They see him as his leaves have withered and fallen off. But Jesus sees him as a tree that is planted beside streams of living water. They see him at the end of his life but jesus sees him that his life is about to be brand new they have labeled him under his sin under his problem too short too fat too ugly too messed up but jesus said i have come so that they may have life and have life more abundantly and it just so happened that jesus was strolling down that street that day and he was the light of the world when a man had been living in darkness his entire life am i going to get anybody to help me up in this place same word the same word that John said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and everything that was made was made by him that same word that talked to the Samaritan woman at the well that everybody rejected and then all of a sudden now she's been healed and her life is restored because of the word that word was walking down that street that day Everybody else had buried this man. Everybody else had buried him because of his problems. But he was not buried. He had only been planted for such a time as this. Somebody say, just add water. While everybody else is talking about his funeral, Jesus is giving him life. Some of you are burying things that God has planted. And there's a difference between being planted and being buried. For some of you, God has planted things in your life for a certain season and a certain reason. And because it didn't come through on your timetable, you've buried it. Can I get some help? Can I take a water break? Some of you, I don't know who this is for. Some of you have been praying over a certain issue in your life. You haven't seen God come through. You've been praying, you've been praying, you've been praying. I haven't seen God come through. Just because you haven't seen the answer does not mean the answer is not coming. (laughs) Some of you are like, ah. God, I don't like this job. I hate this job. I don't like it at all. I hate it. God, I don't understand why you haven't given me a new job yet. God, when the hurricane came through, I don't know why you didn't let it swamp that business. (laughs) So they get all the insurance money, close the business down, give us all a severance package, God. So I can go find me a new job. With that attitude, you're living at that job as if you've been buried, but you've been planted so that you would bring forth fruit in due season. When you begin to listen to the lies of the enemy, that you are to this, to that, you've buried this, you've buried that, you've had this problem, that issue, all you will do is have a funeral for something that God intended to live. You'll get that on the way home. So what would Jesus do with this dude? He's standing in front of him. He has to do something that the man recognizes. Actually, he has to make a sound that the man would recognize because the man lived according to his auditory senses. Jesus could have called down the angels from heaven. The man would have known something was up. Jesus could have taken the disciples and pulled four of them out and said, we're going to have a quartet. Y'all have some four-part harmony going on right here. And y'all began to sing. The man would have known something was going on. But Jesus who is fully God and fully man. The Word, as the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The very God who spoke into existence made a sound when there was no sound at all and said, let there be, and there was. The same God who did not put together a committee and said, you know what, we've got a light problem. We've got a light problem. So I want you to call all the smartest people in the world. I want you to get me a bunch of generators, a bunch of extension cords. I want you to get me a bunch of stuff. Get me a light bulb. Bring me several light bulbs in case it doesn't work the first time, and I want you all to figure out how to make light. No, he didn't do that. Jesus took the nothingness of darkness, the Bible says, and he spoke light into it. <laughs> and now you see why he's saying, I am the light of the world? He's got to make a sound. <laughs> Can't believe he just did that up in the church. <laughs> it's in the Bible, y'all. He made a sound. He spit on the ground. The Bible says that he made mud and placed the mud on the man's eyes. Now, what I need you to understand is two things that are happening here. Number one, God used clay dust and clay in the creation process now here is jesus thousands of years later using dust and clay to create a miracle that nobody else has ever seen hold on a second the dirt in the word represents our humanity his spit or the water represents his divinity and when the dirtiness of our humanity collides with his divinity, there is a miracle that takes place that not only blesses this man, but blesses generations of people to come. Why? Because all you have to do is take your brokenness and just add water. All you have to do is get closer to the word of God and just add water. When you don't know what to do, all you need to do is remember that you've been planted, not buried. You've been planted beside of streams of living water that will cause your leaves to never wither, cause fruit to come forth in in due seasons, and you will be blessed in whatever you do. Somebody say, mm-hmm. It's like that old song, anointing fall on me. I'd sing it, but I lost my voice today. Anointing fall on me. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. Verse 7. Look at verse 7. It says, Jesus, after he placed this mud mask on this man, he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Whew, hold on a second. You mean he wasn't healed on the spot? No. He went to a place that Jesus told him to go while he's blind. How's he going to get there? What Jesus has done is given him a word. He's heard the word. Hold on a second. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not seen. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. He's walking on a word, he's going on a word. He believes the word that he's just received, and now something is about to change in his life. You have to have faith to act upon the word that you've heard while everybody else is sitting over there judging this dude who sent him or his parents. I don't know if you've grabbed this yet or not, but it says he came home seeing. There was never a miracle recorded such as this. But if you back up a thousand years, in Psalms 146, verses 6 through 8, we read it when we started this thing off. It said that the Lord will cause those who have blinded eyes to see. This is the fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. This is John proving to us that Jesus is God. Verses 8 through 11. Verses 8 through 11. Can, can I take just two more minutes? Is that all right? Jesus. It might just be me and you in here if I do that. Here's what verses 8 through 11 say. I'll just read it back there. It says, His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't This is the same man who used to sit and beg. How then were his eyes open, they asked. Verse 9, some claimed, hold on, go back to verse 9. I want to just skip it, but I don't need to. Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. These same people had buried him before no he only looks like him but he himself insisted I, I am the man how then were your eyes open they asked he said well the man they called Jesus <laughs> he made some mud notice he didn't say he spit on the ground and put some mud on my eyes somebody would have said ugh he made some mud and he put it on my eyes and he told me to go to Siloam and, and wash. And so I went and, and, and I washed and then I could see. Jesus spit on the ground. He gave the man a command. Go to the pool of Siloam. The man left another place after washing somebody say just add water and when he left after that he came home seeing And everybody else who had labeled him and had put him under something, who had buried him under something, didn't recognize him because he had had an encounter with the most high God. And the most high God had placed some water in his life. Just add water. And when he added the water to his life, his life began to change because the word spoke into his life. You know that word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and everything that was made was made by him. and nothing that has been made was made without him. When you don't know what to do, all you have to do is just add the water of his word. When you're messed up, add water when you don't know how to make it just add water when you need him in your marriage just add water when you need him in your finances just add the water of his word because it's the water of his word that will do the things that you cannot do for yourself because it's at that moment that it will bring glory to God this is why the man was blind all of the disciples now realize it's so that God may be glorified when he turns the mess into a message Some of you have buried things that God planted. There is a difference. Some of you are having funerals over things that God intended to live. Can't figure it out, just add water. When you go into a job that's driving you nuts, just add water. When someone has hurt you, just add water. When you can't figure out how to keep your money from being funny, just add water. Somebody say, just add water.